Good morning. Hey, we had a great time at the movie nights. I know some of you were at the movie nights this uh, these past few Fridays, and we had a great turnout on Friday night. We had over 700 people there, and it was fantastic showing from the community, and we made a lot of connections with families and individuals that live in Riverside, a surrounding area. And so if this is your first time and you came from the movie nights, we would love to meet you uh, back at the guest and information table right after service. We have a gift we'd like to give you and just uh, greet you personally. And if you are a new student, same applies to you. If you're a new student and you're new to Riverside or new to the area, we'd love to meet you. Stop by and pick up a, a gift from us and just we'll just... Uh, We'll be brief. We won't keep you back at that table long, but we'd just love to say hi to you and welcome you here. Uh, we're wrapping up this message series today called Everyday Missionary. There, there comes a point when our history, the history of our lives, comes more into focus than our future. And at that point, we really start to look back at what we lived our lives for. Some people would say it's at that midlife point where you start realizing, wow, I've lived a lot of life. I don't have a lot more in my future. So I start looking back and I start looking at the, I take glimpses at the personal history of my life. And for some of us, you know, you look at experiences in your life and you find fulfillment and meaning in the things you've lived for. And then sometimes we look back at our, at our past and our personal history and there's, there's uh, sadness and there's sorrow and there's regret in the choices that we've made. I would imagine all of us kind of have some of that in our past. We have meaning and fulfillment and joy and then there's some sorrow and regret. Uh, some of you are here and you're just starting out in life. You're starting out in a career. You're starting out in training for a career. You're in school possibly. And so wherever you're at in life, consider this question. What, what would I like to accomplish in my life? What, what am I trying to accomplish with my life? For some, you know, maybe really focus on you know, a comfortable retirement. And that's on your mind right now. Is I just need to get to that place where I can retire and live a comfortable life and, and experience certain things in that season of life. Maybe you're at a season right now where more than anything, you want to see that your children are doing well. That's on your mind. You're, you're constantly thinking about, how are my kids doing? What, what, what are they experiencing? Are they going to do well in life? Are they prepared for uh, living separate, you know, independent lives. And uh, some of you here, you're living for a cause or some sort of a purpose. Some of you, in fact, have been giving yourself to support a cause for a long time, whether it's you're hoping to see a cure for something or, or a goal to be reached or a problem in our world to really be resolved. Uh, th- these are just a few of the, you know, many things that we can invest our energy and our time. And these are good and noble efforts in this life. But we need to ask, with whatever we're doing with our life, whatever we're trying to accomplish, will these endeavors be enough? Will it be enough? Will, will this really bring the fulfillment that, that I'm seeking as I give my life to these things that I'm giving my life, my life to right now? Throughout this series, we've been asking that question. We've been looking at how we've been made to live our everyday life for something beyond just the here and now. We were made for more, and so... I want to invite you to take out this listening guide in your, in your program. And at the top it says this. This is where we'll launch from. Jesus sends his followers with a task to reach to the ends of the earth. This is what Jesus is, is doing. Is he's sending his followers out to live a very, very focused life. And it extends much further than just my town and my life here and now. He wants it to reach to the ends of the earth. And so, in Acts chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas, 
couple of guys we introduced over the last couple of weeks, uh, they were missionaries for the early church. They were sent out on their first missionary journey in Acts chapter 13. And here's a map of their journey. They basically, they left from, off to the right of this map you see Syria, and then north in Syria, northern Syria, there's a town called Antioch. And Antioch was the sending base church that was launching Paul and Barnabas. And they, they, they're basically sent out as missionaries to go and to spread the message of Jesus from that region. Because Acts 1-8, we looked at this each week of this series, Jesus said to his followers, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that commission is, it represents how it's going to move from their hometown to a region and then to the ends of the earth. And so Paul and Barnabas are carrying out this mission in their own lives. They're being sent out from the church in Antioch. They first head to an island called Cyprus. Then from Cyprus, they head north into Turkey. And they begin to visit these different uh, towns and villages that were Roman colonies in in Turkey, in modern-day Turkey. But they were Roman colonies established by Caesar Augustus. Not, you know, not too far before this point in history. And so, they're, they're sharing with... Uh, people who'd never heard about Jesus before. And this is exactly what Jesus said would happen, was the church would move outward, right? And this is occurring through them. And as Paul and Barnabas are venturing out, a couple things start taking place in Acts chapter 13. People want to hear what they have to say. They're telling about They're talking about salvation. They're talking about hope. They're giving clarity to a person who just gave up his life so that people could find forgiveness of their sins. And the more they share, the more the crowds are pressing in and they want to hear more and more. Tell me about this. Tell me about this story. Who is this guy? How does this connect to history? And, And what does this have to do with me? And so people really want to hear their message. Second thing begins to occur, though. Paul and Barnabas... And his team, their team members begin to experience some hostility and some rejection. So when you study through the book of Acts and you see the, the growth and expansion of the church, you see a lot of persecution. You see, you see some rejection. And in this uh, setting, they go to this area called uh, Pisidian Antioch. In, in, it's right in the middle of Turkey. And they're in this town and there's, there's hostility coming from the Jewish community to them. And so there's questions. Why are you here? What are you sharing? You know, you're stirring things up. And so Paul speaks up at a certain point and he makes an announcement about why, they, why they're doing what they're doing and how they have an outward focus and their intention is to keep reaching out further and further and further, basically to the ends of the earth. This is what Paul says, Acts 13, verse 47. I've tried to summarize Acts 13, but key verse, verse 47 is, Paul says, For so the Lord has commanded us, saying... I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Paul is personally identifying that he's playing a role as like a light would, you know, to shine light on Jesus, but he's doing this towards the Gentiles. This, Paul's actually quoting a verse from the book of Isaiah, from the prophet Isaiah, from almost 800 years prior to this. He's quoting from Isaiah here. And he's identifying personally, this is my mission. He's saying, I've been called to be a light to the Gentiles, that, that salvation would not just be to the Jewish people, but to the ends of the earth. Because the Jewish, the, some of the hostility that was coming was from Jewish leaders who were concerned about this growing movement. What was happening was Paul 
And Barnabas just kept communicating, hey, God is out to widen the circle so that we would take the message of Christ to more and more people in the Gentile world, to the non-Jewish world. You see, we tend to live very focused lives, and a lot of times we live narrowly focused lives, and uh, basically, you know, you've seen the uh, iPhone panorama, or actually all the phones have the panorama option, but, you know, I can shoot a photo and I can capture a few of you right here, or I can use the, the panorama, and I can get like a magic wand, and I can get the whole crew here at once, and I can, I can get a wide angle view of this room. God, God is trying to do that in our lives. We want to focus very narrowly, and this is what was coming up in the church in this point. People were saying, look, we need to focus here. We need to fo- this, this, is, this was concerning to some people. And Paul, Paul was saying, look, God wants us to, to widen our focus. He wants us to reach the unreached, to reach the Gentiles. And look at Isaiah chapter 49. This is the verse that Paul was describing. And he was actually taking a portion of and speaking about why he was doing what he was doing. So Isaiah says this. This is hundreds of years before. Isaiah says to God's people, God says, or he says, It is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. God's basically, you know, through the prophet communicating, it's, it's too light or it's too small. The, the word light here at the top and the word at the bottom mean two different things. So the word light here at the top is it's too small or it's too trivial of a matter to just focus on the Jewish people. That's not, that's not big enough. We're getting, you know, God is after the ends of the earth. He wants to reach to the ends of the earth with his salvation. Jesus came, and this is really a prophecy of Jesus, who would come as a servant, not just for Israel, but for the entire world. And when Isaiah the prophet spoke this, this was a point in time where the Jewish people were focused very narrowly on rebuilding their nation. This was a time where they had been scattered. They're just coming off of a period where they've been scattered throughout the world by the Assyrians and by the Babylonians. And now they have an opportunity to rebuild Israel, to rebuild their their land, to rebuild structures, to, to rebuild kind of their religious life. They're focused on a very tight circle. And, you know, what was good for their nation? Rebuilding a nation is not a small task, but God says, hey, that's too small of a thing for my people to focus on. That's not enough. Keeping the salvation that Jesus brings, we, we can't do that. Just keep it for this group. It must go out to the ends of the earth. Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection, it shines light on God's plan to forgive and save all people from their sin. And so the entire world needs to know this. Now, Isaiah said that. Paul is picking up on that and saying, here, this is why we're sharing and going, going very broad with our message. But somehow, this type of thinking, thinking about the ends of the earth, Somehow this type of thinking, that focus of God's worldwide mission needs to be shaping our everyday lives. Somehow we have to live here and now and yet have a a wide-angle view to the nations and be thinking about what God wants to accomplish even through us. Now, parenting. Some of you are your parents. And you have some everyday tasks, you know, changing diapers, fixing meals, answering questions, getting down on the ground, playing with toys, training on how to tie shoes, and your focus right now is on parenting. It's, you're parenting your little ones at different seasons and stages. Some of you, you might be a student, again, 
for the students. You know, right now you're focused on on learning. Hopefully, right? You know, hopefully you're studying, right? You're some of you. You know, the tests aren't there yet, so you're like, oh, I'll get around to that. So, but you know, you're focused on working on towards your degree completion, building a career. That that's your focus right now. Maybe some of you are, you're in your career. You're you're an employee, or maybe you're a business owner. And again, that's your focus. But wherever you're focused here and now, if you're a Christ follower, we need to widen our focus. And be a part of telling others about Jesus, you know, even to the ends of the earth. How do we do that? Now, some people receive from God a specific call to go to another country. They move their lives to a totally different country. For example, we have some members of our congregation. We have the Grahams. And here's a picture of Jim and Becky Graham. They serve in East Asia. Part of the International Mission Board. They're, they're missionaries. They've been serving in East Asia for 15 years. And they live there to, to tell others the story of Jesus Christ. In fact, some of you have actually been there to uh, their town, to their city. It's a large, large city in East Asia. And you've been there a part of a short-term mission team to visit them, to encourage them, to support them in their ministry. But the Grams, they received a very clear and specific call to move their family from where they lived in the States to move overseas to share with a specific group of people and and serve there, love there, invest in people there in order to help others who didn't know Christ come to know Him. It's a very, very specific call on their lives. Paul and Barnabas from Acts 13 were sent out from the church at Antioch and they serve in this same way. They serve in a very similar way. They've been sent out to accomplish something to reach to the ends of the earth. And Jim and Becky Graham, they, they joined our church last year. Uh, both of their sons have been members of our church. One of them is still a member of our church. And so they spend a lot of their stateside here in Riverside visiting, and they've gotten to know us well. And so last, last year they said, hey, we want to join OCC. We need a home church to really be praying for us, and our connection has grown. And so they've become members of our church, and many of you have met them and interacted with them. But God, God is going to continue to do this. He's going to continue to call some to go to other countries just like He did with the Grams. Now one of the things we haven't seen yet is we've yet to see. We're, we're almost nine years old as a church. We'll celebrate our nine year anniversary in February. And we've yet to see a member of our church, a person or a family, be sent out from our church as a member to serve long term overseas. One thing I know is it's just a matter of time. Because I know God is preparing some of you. God is more than likely going to... We're going to see something like this happen where we'll be able to send out an individual or a family for long-term career missions. I'm excited about that. I'm excited that God would specifically, through His Word or through prayer, just prompt someone to say, wow, and they won't be able to shake it. Like, this is exactly what God's been training me for. And we get to play a part as a church in preparing those folks, in training but we've yet to see that happen. But I know it's, it's just kind of a matter of time. In our network of churches, we were part of a, of a cluster of churches called the 17-6 Network. And it's a group of churches that are Southern Baptist churches who uh, really work together on training and even on some church planting efforts. But several of, us, of our churches have people that have gone out and planted their lives. And so we partner with other 17-6 network churches around the world. And so we've sent teams to Guatemala, Toronto, Thailand. Uh, this uh, fall, next month, we're going to be actually going to, my wife and I, 
We're going to be leading a team to Bonn, Germany, uh, to work with some college students at a part of a campus ministry called Connection. And the ministry was formed from a gal who moved there since the call to move to Germany. And she was from Huntington Beach, one of a church that we partnered with in Huntington Beach. She planted several ministries there, and there's been tremendous fruit. And people that have been led to Christ have planted more ministries. So we're going to be there working with one specifically to just serve at a kind of a a startup week for their ministry and just to be playing a role behind the scenes there. Um, then I'm going to be staying and working with a seminary there. And this is a picture of the seminary. It's called Bible Seminar. And I don't know if I said that right, but that's how it seems to come across, you know. Bible Seminar. But the president of the seminary is at the top. He's got his hands open like this. This is a small photo. But um, his name is Heinrich Dirksen. I met him just recently in Anaheim. A group of our pastors from our network gathered together, got to know him better. Germany is very, very difficult ground to start churches in. If you know about church history, Germany was at the center of the Protestant Reformation. So much of what sprouted up and major uh, changes and uh, major sweeping changes of the church took place through you know influential leaders in that region. Um, but sadly, evangelical Christianity is in serious decline in Europe now. And the seminaries are overrun with liberal theology, and the churches are really not being all that effective. And so the president of this seminary, Heinrich Dirksen, he said that it's like, he said that trying to plant churches in, in Germany is, is so hard. He says, you know, Paul talks about planting seeds and watering seeds and God causing the growth. He didn't talk about plowing the ground for years and years and years before you could even plant the seeds. And he said, he said, we need to know how to plow the ground here because it's so hard to get churches started and people get so discouraged. And so he said, how are you guys planting churches in California? He said, as far as we can tell, when we look at the United States, there's a few places, but he said, California is one that we think is similar to Germany in that the ground is so hard to start churches. And he said, so what are you guys doing? We want to learn and connect. And so... I'm going over there um, and stay a little bit longer after we take a mission team to work with that college ministry in order to interact with this uh, president and some of his seminary students and professors and just to interact and begin to share and see what God has. But this is a real opportunity internationally that, that we may have. Here's another thing that is going on that we're connected to is the Rimstads. Uh, we took part in launching this family, David and Emily Rimstad and their kids, to Papua New Guinea through New Tribes Mission. The Rimstads are, they are, they were not members of our church, but they were from Riverside, and we had been supporting them when they were doing ministry at UC Riverside. And they are with New Tribes Missions. They have, last, as of last summer, they moved overseas to Papua New Guinea to begin to learn a language there in order to reach an unengaged people group and an unreached people group there in, in, you know, in a very, very remote part of Papua New Guinea. And so, uh, they were members of Redeemer Church here in Riverside, and we partnered with them to help launch them last year. And this is a picture from last summer when they finally were able to get a flight to Papua New Guinea. This is from the airport, I believe. And it's been almost a year. Here's a picture of now of Emily just recently with some women in a tribe in BM, which is a tribe they've been learning from that has already has a church established in this tribe. So they've been spending a lot of time in a tribe where church, a church has been started, and they're learning from the missionaries there. And so Emily is there with another uh, ministry partner. That the Rimstads are working with one other family. And so 
Uh, they're able to just do ministry there. They're learning their language there. Here's another picture of David teaching and practicing his language skills before the church there in BM. This is really exciting. About a year ago, or a little over a year ago, he told us, this is what I'm going to be doing. And we saw pictures of other people doing it. And now they're actually doing that. And, and you all got to take part in that. And many of you got along, came behind them and really supported. Uh, but just uh, last week, I, I learned from, from a letter that they have passed their language test. And so now they're moving to a new phase of tribe allocation. And so they're actually asking for prayer from the 14th through the 22nd of this month. So if you know them, maybe write that down to, to pray for the Rimsats from the 14th through the 22nd. Basically, they're going to be taking a flight into an area and then they're going to hike 10 hours descending and ascending numerous mountains in order to finally arrive at a destination called Mali Yali. Mali Yali. I don't know if I said that right, but, but basically, next slide shows you kind of, uh, their theme, go share and build. And it's pretty exciting what they're doing, what, what God has specifically called them to do. Now for these folks, the Rimstads, and many others, God has specifically called them to move overseas and invest their life elsewhere for the sake of Jesus and sharing His name. Now, if God has not specifically called you to go overseas, you're asking, well, what do I do? And so here, here's some things that we can do together here, here and now. And everyday missionary can give. One of the things we can do is we come alongside missionaries through our giving. Being a missionary near and far costs money. In the New Testament, Churches were being started rapidly and people were becoming Christians. And the missionaries were supported by churches full of people who had everyday jobs. And they gave so that the missionaries could go and be supported while they were away. And check out what Paul writes to the church in Philippi. He commends the partnership that this one church had with them through his missionary journey. Paul writes this, It was kind of you, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in, Thessalon- even in Thessalonica, verse 16, you sent me help. You sent me help for my needs once and again. You know, this is interesting because we get this kind of communication from some of our missionaries. Hey, we really could use some medical supplies. Hey, we really could use some... Uh, some finances for some books. Hey, we really could use a new uh, truck. We provided a tr- helped provide a truck for a missionary in Guatemala this past year. You know, Paul saying, the needs came up, I expressed them. You met these needs. Verse 17, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. What he's saying is, you know, your generosity freed me up to focus on, on my mission. Paul's bringing this up, not to ask for more money, but he wants to go on record and saying, hey, you guys get credit for everyone who is saved by that effort. All they did was give, but, you know, Paul, Paul went, but, you know, he did all this frontline work, but in God's books, those who give receive credit for the changed lives, just like those who go. And Paul is reminding this church, of their partnership in the lives that are being changed. Both roles are critical. Those who go, those who stay, and every day are just trying to help support and move the mission forward even to the ends of the earth. But if you live here in the States, and God hasn't specifically said, hey, you need to go and move overseas. If you live here in the States, we have to discipline ourselves 
not to spend all that we have on me and mine so that we have something to offer to God for His mission. We have to really live disciplined lives and not spend everything that we've got just on our own lives. Otherwise, when God says, hey, here's a need, then we don't have anything to give because we've consumed it all on ourselves. But we have a part to play in giving. And when you give at OCC, when you give, you know, if you're, if you're a, giver, a giver here at our church, it goes to support missionaries. Here's a few specific things that we give towards you know, every month we send off a check, which is a percentage of what comes in here goes to the Inland Empire Baptist Association. This is our local association of Baptist churches trying to reach the Inland Empire. We are the largest geographic association of churches in the state of California, and we are the third largest association of Baptist churches in the nation. And so we have 230 churches in our association, really close by. And so the association is a part of planting new churches, which we were at one point a part of their effort to plant more churches, so we were a part of that. But they're planting churches, and so when, we, when you give, we give a portion to help the work go forward on a regional level here. Also on an international level, through our churches given, we also support missionaries around the world through the International Mission Board, the cooperative program. We, again, we give a percentage of what comes in to what God is doing on a, on a global scale through Baptist missionaries. And as of May 2016, the International Mission Board has 3,645 people serving around the world. And so, when you give, again, a portion of that is going to support the work God is doing. Now, sadly, the the number of missionaries has drastically reduced this last year. So, there's 3,645 IMB missionaries. A year ago, there was 4,700 missionaries. The IMB had to do a huge major downsizing of their personnel staff. I don't know what the percentage is from 4,700 to 3,600, but that's, that is a, that is a, uh, you know, a sad reality that the International Mission Board had to do in order to balance their budget this year. They had to um, offer up an early retirement opportunity. And in order to balance the budget, they were just going to have to do that or they were going to have to send people off the field. And so... This is a sad reality. There is less mission dollars going out from churches. Why is that? As a pastor, I think why it is is because we want to hold on to all that we can here because we're concerned about ourselves. Just like as a family, as families, as individuals, we also want to hold on to all that we have because we're concerned for ourselves. The, the, the tension that I wrestle with is how to keep thinking to the ends of the earth while being effective and faithful here and now. When we started this church, it was, I think the intention was, we want to really be aggressive in our missions giving, but we didn't have enough of a base, and so it was killing us to really do that and to sustain what we started to do. And so we scaled it back. But what we've been trying to do is grow it, again, aggressively in order to, and the sense that I have from the Lord is that we need to keep growing this aggressively. We need to keep supporting what God is doing globally because we have, a, we have a role to play. God wants us engaged in this, in what He's doing around the world. And part of our stewardship as God blesses our church is to think beyond ourselves. Part of it is to keep extending and stretching ourselves to trust Him. And God has provided for us as a congregation. So it's exciting for us as we take steps to grow in this area. I'm, encur- I'm encouraged by by the growth in this area. But we need to keep giving outward. Now, earlier I mentioned the Rimstads in Papua New Guinea. 
You know, last year we collectively gave $20,000 for their house building fund in the jungle. That, they haven't built their house yet, but we gave to help them build a house. That, that was a sacrifice for many of you. Cause that, that was, I, we brought that up as, hey, would you give above and beyond your regular giving? And, and many people sacrificed. $20,000 came in in a very short period of time for that effort. And that was exciting. But you took part in that. If you took part in that, you, again, you have a part to play in what God is doing there in Papua New Guinea. A second area, a role that we play is, is to, is to pray. We mentioned this last week. Paul writes, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, Paul says, Pray also for, for us that God may open to us a door for the Word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. You see, Paul is imprisoned for his being a missionary. We looked at this passage last week, but the main implication is that there are some doors that God will not open if, if, if we're not praying. So Paul says, Please pray. The missionaries that we work with, they send requests because there's, there's doors that are shut, there's walls that are up, and they can't get past these barriers, and they say, would you pray? We want to be praying so that God would swing wide those doors so that the message would, would, would move forward. We want, there's a link between prayer and the mystery of Christ being understood by people. And so we pray. We want to pray. It's hard to do this. It's hard to build the habit. Uh, our family, we learn from other families a, a great method of remembering to pray for our missionaries. And so we, we have a prayer board that we have prayer cards. And then at dinner time, my daughter, she grabs a prayer card and she says, okay, today we're praying for so-and-so. And, and uh, we pray for families during dinner. I, I'd encourage you, how, how can we build this habit more and more into our life as a church to be praying and coming alongside what God is doing to the ends of the earth? Another crucial role that you can play is to invest. This third thing is invest. The theme of this series has been to help us see the opportunities that God brings all around us. This is what investing is all about. Investing is about loving people. Just loving people. Paul, he wrote another letter to a church that he'd helped start in the city, in the city of Thessalonica, which is modern day Greece. And look at what he writes to them. Look at the personal investment that he made in this church. He wrote, as apostles of Christ, we could have been a burden to you. But we were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. He's saying, we didn't just fly overhead and, and drop a message on you and, and skip out of town. It wasn't just about us delivering the message. We shared our lives with you as well. Why? Because you had become so dear to us. This is a personal investment of time. You can hear Paul's heart for these people. He wanted them to know Jesus. He wanted them to figure out what it meant to live for something greater for themselves. And so he loved them as dear friends. They weren't just a project to Paul. They were people that he loved and he cared about, like a mother cares for her child. This wasn't enough to just, you know, drive by message. It really is. This came in daily life for Paul. A few verses later, he, he talks about the analogy of how a father deals or just, you know, invests in his children. Look at what he says. For you know that we dealt with each of you, not just like a mother, but as a father even, deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. The point of a father is, is, is critical. The personal investment of a father is powerful. We know this in our society. And the absence of fathers in our society is showing just how powerful shaping a life really is. Too many people today are struggling 
due to the lack of, of a father. And so Paul, his reference here draws up in my mind several images of another kind of an investment that, that Paul's describing here. That dads make. But the point is, Paul's just saying, look, we personally invested. We loved you. We, we, we cared for you. And that's powerful. A few ways specifically that we can invest is, I want to suggest a couple. One is to save up and see what God is doing overseas. And this is maybe a long-term thing, but to save up and to see what God is doing overseas. Save up and be part of a mission effort to go along and encourage a missionary. One that we're connected to. Be a, be a part of something that we're doing as we connect in the years ahead. Begin to save and begin to think, oh, that's going to take some dollars to do that. Begin to put money aside and see firsthand what God is doing. Another way you can invest is you can care, and this is unique, I think, in a way to our church. We're not the only church in this way, but something unique to us is you can care for and you can include in your lives the grown adult children of missionaries. And last service we had seven missionary adult children that were that are part of our church. They were here and I had them stand. So if you don't mind, if, you, if you're an adult child of a missionary, if you don't mind standing, just so we can kind of see how many we have, it helps us to know. Wow. Okay, so there's another <laughs> three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Now I want to say something to congregation about this group. Their parents live a long way from them, and their parents have a longing. If you're a parent, you understand that parents have a longing to be near their children and to be in their lives and to be watching them make decisions and, and, and growing and, and facing challenges. But there's a longing and there's a separation that exists when we're far from our kids. But God has called their parents overseas and now their adult children are here. One way we can invest in overseas work is we can care for their adult children in just practical ways. Hosting, having people over for dinner, getting to know these missionary adult children. I avoid the, church, the term missionary kid. I, I, I prefer missionary adult children. If we invest, that means the world to their parents. And that frees up their parents to be able to focus on the mission and the assignment God has given them. And I, I want my kids to be cared for. And for those of you that are parents, you, you're thinking the same thing. I would want that. And so we have an opportunity to love some people in very specific way. And so just throwing that out there, maybe think through how that applies to you. You may get to know some of these folks through small groups this year. You guys can go ahead and be seated. Thanks for humoring me for a moment and standing. You know, that might have been a long moment, but thank you for, for standing. One final way we can be engaged in what God is doing is to invite. And just close with this. Each day, we can be investing and then inviting those around us to explore what God is doing here. And the verses listed in your handout are from a man named Levi who committed his life to follow Christ, followed Jesus, left a life of cheating and tax collecting and went and followed Jesus and threw a party for all of his friends to come and to hear Jesus, to get to know Jesus. And Levi threw this great party and Christians know how to have parties. And the, the difference about a Christian party is that you know, it's a lot of fun to experience when we do things that have a deeper purpose. And so when you're, when you're 
when you're inviting people in your lives that you're investing in, and there's a deeper purpose, that's very rich and fulfilling. And so I want to encourage you, be investing your lives in people that don't know Christ and inviting them to be participating in what you're doing. And as you're learning to walk with Christ, invite them to be a part of that. And you just never know. The people that you may share with and lead to Christ, you may, you know, you never know who God may call out to go overseas that you personally invested in and invited. God uses people just like us to keep expanding His global work. And so, as, as the worship team comes up here to the stage, I want to just encourage you to, to consider who you can personally invite to next week's uh, service. We're launching a new series on the sweet life, and that's something that we all want. We all want the good life. And so, but a lot of people are asking, how do I get that? And if you pull out that flyer, it has all the details about the, the service on the back. And, but on the front of this flyer, you see this guy in the hammock? I really like hammocks, I just got to admit. I got a hammock this year, and I, I really like hammocks. But if you look at his face, we wanted this to capture the fact that he's, he's unfulfilled. He's swinging in his hammock, sipping his lemonade, and the dog's chasing its tail, the grass is green, got the picket fence, but he's got this empty look on his face. And I think that's a lot of people in this world. And so, would you be a part of inviting some, some folks or someone to attend the launch of this series next week? We've got the, the Mom's Mini Donuts and the, the activities for the kids, and I think we're going to have a great time. So, that's one way you can be involved in that. And so, I'm going to pray, and we're going to wrap up. Father, thank you for your love for us, and thank you for what you're doing in our lives, the way you stir us and challenge us to uh, engage with you and to to just present ourselves to you as people who who want to be available, who want to be used by You, who want to be stretched and challenged to grow. Lord, we don't want to just live this life comfortable for our own selves. Lord, we we want to offer ourselves up to You as a sacrifice. So would would You challenge us in very specific ways as we wrestle through this issue. Help us keep widening our view to how You even would use us, God, to impact the ends of the earth. We thank You for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.